Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about how we find flexibility in our teaching schedules. Welcome back, beautiful teachers. If it's your first time joining me on the show, a very special welcome to you. And also a huge warm welcome to those of you coming back for the 192nd time. <laughs> We're coming up towards episode 200, which I can hardly believe, but I've got something very special planned for that one as well. Now, today on the show, we're talking about finding flexibility. This was inspired by an article written by Jana Carlson, who's a friend who runs the um, studio Rocket Web Design, and she has several other fun projects on the go, and she has a wonderful piano studio herself. Now, Jana's article is specifically about this idea of a virtual studio that she came up with. So the reason that Jana was inspired to create this virtual studio for her students was to do with her really exciting move to Portugal. So she's planning to move to Portugal for one year, um, I think at least, I don't know, maybe one year total. And so she had to do a trip with her husband before that for two months last year. And this trip was to check out the different villages and towns they were considering living in and see where they might like to settle, right? So they can't commit to a year in a certain place without having tried it out first. But they needed two months, understandably, Jan is in the US. And so it's a big trip over to Portugal. And if you need to visit several places, I totally get why you'd want two months to do that. However, the unfortunate part about this wonderful, wonderful adventure was that for whatever reason, they had to take this trip at the start of a new school year. So September, October, I'm not sure if she starts in August, but anyway, the first two months of a academic year for her. So Jana came up with this idea of having a virtual studio on her website. Now, before you think how on earth did she come up with that or how was she confident enough with the technology to do that, she does run a web design um, agency specifically for music teachers so they create websites her and her husband so she does know what she's doing but it's definitely something that is accessible to you too. So this virtual studio on her website was a self-paced option. In the article over on the blog she describes exactly how she set this up and the kinds of things that were included. 
But to give you a basic idea, we're talking about a password protected page on her website that she then put resources and things on for her students so that they could work through it in her absence. Now, as Jana mentions and makes very clear later in the article, this is not a replacement for a teacher. She's not saying students should pay you and just get access to a website and that that's the same as having a teacher. She said it was a welcome break and they worked through it very well for the two months, but she felt like that was the maximum. Still, it gave her that flexibility for those two months when she couldn't either teach in person or online because of their schedule. As I said, she describes her full setup in the article, so I won't go into that here. But you could also do this with something like Tonara, simply setting assignments. This could even be slightly less self-paced, as I'm picturing it, where you're not teaching your students in real-time lessons, but you could log in once a week and change out their assignments on Tonara. You could schedule them to be added ahead of time. The only issue with that, with Tonara specifically anyway, is that you would need to remove the old ones. So you would still need to go in to do that, otherwise it would get really cluttered. So I'm picturing how you could do this with assignments within Tanara, perhaps with videos accompanying them that give students something different to do every week. Again, this is not a replacement for a teacher. I'm not suggesting this, and neither is Jana, as an alternative model for how to teach piano. But it is a good option to have on hand for those times when you need to take a bit of flexibility. So let's step back out and think for a moment about rigidity versus flexibility. I personally believe in really high standards of responsibility to my commitments and it's something I sometimes take too far. Now I do think I'm better this way around than the other, than being very flippant or just easily cancelling lessons, not holding myself up to a certain standard. For the most part, I think I'm right, (laughs) if I'm honest, to hold myself to these high standards. I think students deserve that. But sometimes I do take it a bit too far. However, I believe that lessons should start and finish on time. I am a bit of a stickler for time management, and this is something the teachers who work here know about me, and I try to impress upon them why I care. It's not because students should only get what they pay for. It's because, well, number one, the parent is out there waiting. So they don't appreciate the extra three minutes that you're spending talking to their child, especially if it happens every week. A once off is one thing, but parents spend so much time waiting at gates and waiting in their car. I don't think they need any extra of that. And with a situation like a piano lesson where you've got one or two kids at a time, you can finish exactly on time. I really believe that. So I am paying attention to the time for that reason. But I'm also a bit of a stickler for time management and finishing and starting on time because I believe it shows and it is almost a symptom, a side symptom of controlling your time in general better and planning properly. I think if you have good control over your lesson content, whatever way you like to plan that, I'm not saying you have to plan it out minute by minute, But when you have that awareness during the lesson and you always know what you should be doing next and yeah, just have that control. Not that you're controlling every aspect. I don't want to imply that. I'm actually not a control freak, (laughs) despite what this is making me sound like. But the fact that you, you are 
deciding what happens. It's not just sort of happening and you're never left going, oh, well, I guess we'll do this next, right? I never want my lessons to feel like that because I think that sends a message to students that I don't have a plan, that I don't have their back, that I don't have control of the steering wheel, which I believe that I should, especially for the beginning stages. So this finishing on time thing is not just about the parents. It is also about showcasing to students and to parents and to yourself that you know what you're doing, that you have a plan, that you are doing things with a purpose. Little things like this, you know, uploading assignments when I say I'm going to, showing up for lessons when I say I'm going to, and taking holidays when I say I'm going to do that, shows that I do what I say I'm going to do. Now, as I said, sometimes I can go a bit too far and there can be situations where I should just get in touch with the parent and tell them it's not going to work out this time the way I thought it would or whatever. And I am a bit too reluctant to do that to the point where it's things parents wouldn't even notice or care about. But I think, as I said, I'm better off this direction than the other way. (laughs) So let's talk about how we give ourselves flexibility while respecting our responsibilities while still holding ourselves to a certain standard and our commitments to students. One episode I highly suggest you check out for this is 146, which was called Holiday and Sick Leave for Self-Employed Music Teachers. There is an article to go along with that one as well if you prefer to read it. But that one is essentially about what Wendy Stevens would call flex weeks. So I think of it as holiday leave or sick leave. You can call them flex weeks. This is where you basically calculate the number of lessons your students would actually receive in a year if you show up for every lesson minus the holiday weeks, right? Every lesson as scheduled. And then take away one or two. It's really that simple. And that's what you charge them for. And you explain to parents that these are to be used at the teacher's discretion, right? They are for you to take off. For example, if you have to attend a conference, if you're sick, if something comes up with family etc then you're going to take these flex weeks and it's not going to disrupt the tuition it's not going to change anything but if you go beyond the number you've allowed for then of course you will adjust their tuition i like this as it makes it simple to take those weeks off but also if i don't take them i'm not tempted to just work the extra week because it's already been set up that way so i'll just finish the year a week earlier or a week earlier with some students and have a lighter final week And that is perfect. Now, if you need more flexibility than that, for example, if you're dealing with chronic illness or if you're a gigging musician or you're dealing with looking after a family member who needs long time care and you just don't know what you're going to need and when and it would be too many flex weeks to build in like that or you feel it might be, you can do a system where you, instead of having flat rates, you or a calendar set up, you have blocks of lessons. So you simply commit to a month of lessons at a time with a student or you sell them basically a card of 10 lessons and use those together as it works out. I would just be cautious of this because it does encourage students to think that if they can't make it, well, that doesn't count either. So if that's going to be the case, that's fine. If you want to have that flexibility, just build it into your payment levels because that means that you're going to have some weeks where students just can't make it so they don't pay you, right? Essentially, even though it's credit, it it essentially works the same way. But that is an option 
I think if you need a lot of flexibility, in many cases, you will need to give your students that flexibility as well. If you really can't commit to weekly lessons, then honestly, I don't think you can expect them to because it's kind of a double standard. Now, I'm not saying you never take any extra weeks off. That's what flex weeks are for. But if you do need that, really a big level of flexibility with your students and scheduling, then I think you need to be more flexible with them as well. Again, as I say, if you're a gigging musician, I think that's a prime example of this. And I've taken lessons from a teacher who was still primarily a performer before. Yeah, she would cancel or I would cancel. And it very much was not stuck to in the same way as you would in a traditional, more more structured studio. Now, maybe your flexibility you need is not to do with specific times that you need off for specific reasons. It's just that you're, you feel too constricted by your schedule right now because you're simply working too many weeks out of the year. You know, one of the things that came out of our report this year, every year we do an industry survey and report. You can find it at colorfulkeys.ie slash report. But one of the things that came out of this this year that we asked about that was new was really interesting to me. It was about the number of weeks we actually teach in a year, full-time, regular sort of hours for us. And the reason this was so interesting to me was that the EU, which was largely an Irish segment, right? We didn't have a lot of EU countries. Well, we had a smattering representative for sure, but there were more Irish teachers than any other country in the EU. Since the United Kingdom is no longer in the EU, it was mostly Irish. And so it showed how few weeks comparatively we teach a full schedule each year. So I thought that was interesting just as an Irish person. But also if you're in the US, for example, you have one of the highest numbers. And I I wasn't that surprised by that because I'm talking to you like you are in the US. Maybe you're not. But if you are, uh, working weeks there are generally one of the longest. Like you don't get that many holiday weeks generally in most contracts over there. So that kind of makes sense that that would be the norm. However, it doesn't have to be what you do. Okay, so even if you are in the US or somewhere else where... It is normal to work 50 weeks of the year. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you would feel better. Maybe you would be a better teacher if you gave yourself more weeks off. And you have the power to do that. You really do. You just build them into your schedule. Yes, it means you're going to make less unless you raise your rates at the same time. Maybe you're able to do that. But even if you don't, yeah, maybe you're going to make less money. Or maybe... During some of those weeks off, you'll find other week that really feeds your soul in a different way than teaching does, and that'll be a perfect compliment for you. My final little recommendation for building in some more flexibility into your schedule is to do something like group lesson weeks. So I do group workshops in my studio. Most of them are not in lieu of regular lessons. But if you're curious about that idea of doing them in lieu of regular lessons and all the different options... I highly suggest you go check out Amy Chaplin's podcast. It's called Piano Pantry. So if you look up Piano Pantry and look for her episode about a group lesson scheduling, she goes through all of the different iterations of how she did this. And it's just great for providing you with all the different options that are possible, or at least a wide selection of options that are possible, because Amy has tried so many different ways of doing it. Maybe that's something you bring into your 
studio to give yourself a different rhythm for some weeks out of the year. Check in with yourself and see if you need more flexibility and then find a place to give yourself some grace. That's it for this week, folks. I hope you find your flexibility that suits you and let me know how you get on with it, either maybe in a review on the podcast app you're listening to this on or on the comment section on our blog. I'd love to hear from you. Your one thing this week is to ask yourself where you need more flexibility. Are you holding yourself to an impossible scheduling standard or an impossible time management standard that just isn't right for you? If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.